0: John chapter number eight, look at verse number 28 this this morning. The Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. I want you to really zone in on this next statement Jesus says about himself. He said, for I do always those things that please him. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we truly sure do thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you again for saving us, being so good to us. Dear Spirit of God, I pray, Lord, that you'd meet with us again this morning as you already have throughout this uh, meeting already. And dear God, I pray, Lord, that you do the work that only you can do. Lord, use me today, I pray, in the lives of these young people that are here. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you allow the Spirit and the power of God to be upon me as I preach the Word of God. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Savior is speaking here, and there was one statement, as I've already brought out, that really got my attention. It was not a conceited statement, it wasn't a prideful statement. There wasn't a prideful bone in the Savior's body. But a very accurate statement that the Savior said about himself. He said, For I do always those things that please Him. Please who? Please the Father. What a thought! What a testimony! That this one man, the man Christ Jesus, lived such a different life than anyone else ever has in the flesh that every single action done in the flesh by Christ pleased God the Father. Every morning when he got out of bed, he pleased the Father. His relationship with his earthly parents, his siblings, and others in the community, it all pleased God the Father. His ministry, including all the teaching, all the preaching, all the miracles that he performed, every bit of it pleased the Father. Even the thoughts and the actions of the Lord all pleased God the Father. Not a bad word said or evil deed was done. By the Savior. Not only in life did the Savior please the Father. The Bible says his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary. For all mankind was pleasing to the Father. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. We understand that Christ was able to do always those things. Which pleased God because he was God in the flesh. Christ was our example for us to follow. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. And the truth of the matter is that none of us will ever be able to always do those things which please God the Father, not always. But boy, it sure would be a good goal to shoot for in our lives, wouldn't it? How, how many of us would be guilty, including me this morning, that at times in our life we try to please everybody else because we don't want to be on anyone's bad side or it, it's sad but many a person will spend their entire lives trying to please everybody else and never even give a second thought to pleasing the God of heaven. I couldn't be honest with this crowd this morning and say that I'm at this point in my life I sure would hope to be there one day but one said it like this he said I am so satisfied with Christ that my only desire in life is that Christ be satisfied with me I asked the crowd this morning with an uplifted hand who would say Brother Dallas I would like to be pleasing to God I would like for my life to be pleasing to God. How many of you would be like that this morning? Can I say the Bible very clearly shows us how you and I can be pleasing to the Father this morning. And I want to give you some truths from the Word of God. Look at Romans chapter number 8 with me. Look at Romans in chapter number 8. Romans in chapter number 8 this morning. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it means it's battle uh, between the flesh and between the spirit. Uh, The the, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's going in a different direction than what God would have you go. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Look at verse number 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Can I say number one? How many of you want to be pleasing to God this morning? Number one, if we're going to be pleasing to God, we're going to have to find out what it is. Number one, to purge the flesh. That word purge means to cleanse or purify by separating or carrying off that which is impure Look at Romans chapter 7, look at verse number 18. Look what Paul said about himself. Look at what the Bible says, Romans chapter 7 and verse number 18. He said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Young person, can I say this morning, If there's nothing good about your flesh or my flesh, that's the real you and me, that it makes sense that we should not want any part of our lives. Amen. Uh, You understand, it makes no difference of what our ability is or the longevity of salvation or your stature or your talent. Your flesh and my flesh will always fail us. But thank God, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us will never lead us wrong. Can I say one thing I see as I read my Bible about the flesh? Number one, I see the viciousness of the flesh. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Young person, can I say if there's a truth uh, that you need to plant down deep inside your soul this morning, if you're saved by the grace of God, there is a war going on inside of us each and every day of our life. And it's a battle between the old nature and the new nature. And if you're saved, you were once a child of the devil and now you're a child of God. And you better believe this morning, just because the devil lost your soul, to spend eternity in hell does not mean the devil's quit fighting and if the devil tried to cause the Lord himself to fall into temptation who in the world do we think we are that the devil will not try to and cause to give for us to give into the flesh you understand how many of you are saved by the grace of God this morning You're not ashamed of it amen If you're saved, The the, the one said it like this. There's two natures that beat within our breast. The one is cursed, the other is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate. But the one I feed will surely dominate. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse number one and two, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You understand Paul said that we offer our life as a sacrifice. He wasn't talking about physically dying. He was talking about every day finding out what it is to lay the flesh on the altar and be led by the spirit of God that lives inside of us. I understand that I may have brought this truth out in another youth conference before, but let me bring it out again this morning. Every single day, as I read over the book of Leviticus many years ago, those Old Testament saints of God that would offer up those animal sacrifices, they would offer those animal sacrifices not as whole animals, but they would cut those animals in pieces and put it on the altar before God in pieces. Can I say as I lay my life on the altar every day to the best of my ability, I go to God and I offer my life in pieces to God. And I say, God, I ask you to take my mind and don't let me think about anything or part of anything that would be wicked or vile or sinful. God, take my eyes and don't let me look upon anything or see anything I should look upon or see, talking about pieces. God, take my ears and don't let me listen to anything or hear anything I should listen to or hear. God, take my mouth and don't let me talk about anything or say anything I shouldn't talk about or say. Uh, Talk about pieces. God, take my heart and cleanse it and make it pure and holy and allow me to be a clean vessel that can be used by you. Talk about pieces. God, take my arms and my hands and don't let me pick up anything or touch anything I shouldn't pick up or touch. Uh, Talk about pieces. God, take my legs and my feet and don't let me walk any place or step any place I shouldn't walk into or step into. You say, my doubt, You do that every day, every single day. You do that every day. I'll tell you why. Because I don't want the flesh to rule and reign my life. But I want the spirit of God that lives inside of me to rule and reign my life. Can I say, young person, this old flesh is vicious. It's wicked. It's vile. It's sinful. The flesh doesn't fight fair. There are no rules of engagement or the Geneva Convention when it comes to fighting the flesh. That's why you and I struggle with sin, because of the flesh. Can I say, I thank God one day that the devil's gonna get everything that's due him, he's gonna be cast into hell forever and ever. But the reality is, young person, when you give into sin and I give into sin, uh, many times, it's most of the times, it's not the devil's fault. It's because we gave into this flesh. That's why we commit sin. Yes, you may have gotten saved. And yes, you may have received a new nature. But the old nature is still inside and still craves to live a life of sin and bring dishonor to Christ. And the flesh's ultimate goal is to destroy and kill and it will continue to fight until the very day that we die. As Brother Broadus brought out last night, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. My wife and I have been invited over to the island of the Bahamas quite a few times to preach youth meetings and I'll never forget the very first time that I ever preached a youth meeting over there they had a question and answer time before I got up to preach and I told the young people I said listen I don't know all the answers matter of fact I don't even know most of the questions I said but I'll give it the best shot I can and there was this young Bahamian boy that got up and I thought he asked a very good question he said Brother Nelson he said, I want to live right he said I want to live cleanings and I want to live holy. He said but Brother Dale's temptation keeps on coming in my life. He said at what time in the Christian life will I be able to quit fighting temptation? I said young man I said I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I said but the day that temptation quits coming into your life is the day that you stand before God in heaven. It's a constant battle every single day of our life. First of all I see the viciousness of the flesh but number two I'm thankful that we can have victory over the flesh. Amen. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verse number 16, This I say then... Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can I say, young person, it becomes a glorious day in the child of God's life that we realize the Holy Spirit of God just doesn't visit on Sundays and on Wednesdays, but if you're saved, he's there every second, every minute, every hour of every day. And we must, can I say, young person, we must make the Holy Spirit of God in every day common part of our lives from the moment that we open our eyes in the morning until we pillow our head at night we must walk in the spirit when we find ourselves in sin and involved in carnal fleshly things that are against God rest assured you're not walking in the spirit of God walking in the spirit of God is work it doesn't just naturally happen We must get in this book, get on our knees, and get involved with what God wants to do in our lives. Someone say, Brother Dallas, I know I'm saved. But when I sin, I don't like it when the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. Can I say I'm glad the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin because that's evidence that I'm saved by the good grace of God. I don't know, maybe there's a young person here this morning and you're tired and you're weary of having no joy and having no peace or no power to resist temptation, could it be instead of being filled with the Spirit, you're grieving the Holy Spirit? You're resisting the Holy Spirit? You're insulting the Holy Spirit with the life that you're living because of fulfilling the lust of the flesh? Can I say young person the spirit of God knows what is best for you and me And we would be wise to listen to the Holy Spirit We cannot please God number one When we are in the flesh I ask us this morning who still wants to be pleasing to God this morning First of all if we are we're going to have to purge the flesh Number two turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11 You know the verse Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him can I say if we're going to be pleasing to God number one we're going to, have to purge the flesh but number two young person we're going to have to find out what it is to practice faith in the Christian life amen Well, that's what exactly is faith. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtain a good report. You understand what exactly is faith? What can I say? uh, Faith is the substance. What is that substance? That substance is the word of God. And as I read my Bible, I see that men, women, boys and girls live by faith in God. And they were able to get over to the other side victorious. And can I say, young person, thank God we serve a God in heaven. that's not a respecter of persons. And he doesn't love any man, woman, boy and girl in this Bible more than he loves you. And if faith can live by faith, You and I can live by faith as well. One said it this way, faith is the heart seeing what the eye cannot. Faith is me believing in something that I cannot see. Faith is me believing that the Bible is the very word of God and obeying everything that it says and trusting that it is pure, holy, and right. Young person, Don't ever forget the most supernatural prayer of faith that God will ever answer in our lives was the day that we called upon his son to save our soul. And the same great big God of heaven that answered that supernatural prayer of faith is the same great big God of heaven that can answer any other need that comes along this journey called life. What what America needs this morning is another generation to step out by faith and trust God. Can I say we need some young people today to enlist in the army and lay all doubt on this altar and trust God can use you like he has those in the past and how he is those in the present. Perhaps there's a young person here this morning. You're fearful of the world that we live in today. May you trust God that saved your soul from hell And he gave you the faith of David as he slew Goliath, or Daniel as he was thrown in the den of lions, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they they went to the fiery furnace. Maybe there's a young man here this morning that knows good and well that God has placed the call of God on your life. And there's no doubt doubt in your mind that you you cannot fulfill that call, or the devil has blinded you into thinking you need to go after a higher education so you can make more money and have the nicer things of this world. May God take away that doubt in some young man's mind this morning and give you the faith to fulfill that call. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. People ask me all the time here in the last few months, Brother Dallas, what are you going to do when gas goes up to $4.59 a gallon? I'm going to serve God like I did when it was $1.59 a gallon, amen? Brother Dallas, what do you think about the administration? I never thought about the administration. My eyes are on God, amen? Can I tell you, my wife and I got married during the recession, and God has taken care of us from then to now, my friend. And can I say, God doesn't love Chris and Nikita Dallas more than he loves anybody in this room this morning, my friend. And we can live by faith in God, Amen. Look at 1 Thessalonians. First of all, I see a walk of faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, furthermore than we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. According to these verses, there's a direct correlation between our walk in faith as a Christian and pleasing the God of heaven. Some Bible examples of people that practice a walk of faith and God was pleased with them. I think about Abel. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Noah prepared an ark to save the human race Abraham went to an unknown place and offered up his son Isaac Sarah received strength to conceive a seed in old age Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau Jacob at dying blessed both of Joseph's sons Joseph made mention of the departing of Israel Moses chose rather to suffer a life of affliction than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Rahab received the spies in peace Can I say young person why don't you find out where it is to, uh, to put the same faith in living the Christian life as you were in the God that saved you from a devil's hell. Amen. Amen. Well, Dallas, where do we get this faith? The Bible says, "Within so then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's why it's very important, young person, that we're faithful to the house of God. And not just show up when there are activities and outings. I'm glad when we go to the house of God, the man of God will open up the word of God and preach thus saith the Lord. And that will help increase our faith. We also get faith by reading and studying and meditating on the word of God. Young person, maybe there's a young man or young lady this week in NYFC that will put their gaming system down and turn the TV off, and find out where it is to get in the Word of God. There's no other place where you and I can get faith in God and increase our faith in God. That walk of faith is not just a one and done occurrence, but it's a lifetime of walking by faith. My wife and I got married on June the 16th, 2007. That day, I left my mom and dad's house for the last time as a single man. And they've been forever grateful since that day. I can guarantee you that. Amen. (laughs) My wife and I got married. We went on our honeymoon to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I'll never forget, after we finished our honeymoon in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, we went to work on staff out in North Carolina. As a staff evangelist, and I I didn't have any meetings at first, but God began to open open up the calendar and fill my calendar up. And I'll never forget my wife and I grabbed each other's hand as we pulled into the city limits of Jacksonville, North Carolina and we saw the sign that said Jacksonville, North Carolina population such and such. And her and I were both young and dumb back then in those days and my wife is still young, I'm still a little bit dumb, amen. But we grabbed each other's hand and we said no matter how hard it gets we'll never quit on what God had called us to do. Little did I know how quickly that promise to one another would get tested after about six months of working on the staff not really having any meetings up to that point I preached out a couple times there in the state of North Carolina after about six months the preacher called me into his office he said brother Dallas he said as of today he said you're no longer on the payroll staff of this church he said the church has hit a uh, financial rock bottom and we're no longer able to pay you on staff he said we'll be able to pay Nikita for the rest of the year in the Christian school and, and they did And I remember I got saved later on in life and I had my CDL and I drove a truck before I went out into full-time ministry serving God in full-time evangelism. And I remember going home there that day and practicing frontwards and backwards what I was going to tell my wife when she got home. I didn't have any meetings up to that point but I I, I was to preach out uh, that was on a Friday and I was to preach out in the state of Pennsylvania uh, for two weeks. Uh, they weren't revival meetings they were uh, six different churches. I was going to preach in a church on Sunday morning, another church on Sunday night, another church on Wednesday night and I was going to do the same thing the, same, the next week. And so I went home there that day and I practiced what I was going to tell my wife. I was going to tell her that I was going to call all the churches in Pennsylvania and I was going to cancel all those meetings and come on Monday I was going to go out to town and put some applications in and get me a truck driving job. Well, I, as it, when I was looking in the mirror, I was waxed eloquent what I was about to tell her. But she got home there that day and I sat her down and I told her what had happened. I, no longer, I was on the payroll staff of Grace Baptist Church and I was going to call all those churches in Pennsylvania and I was going to tell them I wasn't going to be able to come and I was going to go get me a truck driving job on Monday. I told her that and she looked at me and she said, Well, Chris, what about the promise you made me about six months ago? That no matter how hard it gets, we're not going to quit on God. She said, Chris, she said, you're going to pack your bags and you're going to Pennsylvania to preach. Can I say I appreciate the spirituality of my wife, but she gets a little bossy at times, amen. <laughs> so what did you do? I went to Pennsylvania and I preached, amen. <laughs> what I'm about to say, I'm not throwing out some fleece. I'm not giving you a pity party. God's been extra, extra good to my wife and I. But as I preached in those churches in Pennsylvania and taking care of motel rooms and gas, and as you can tell, it takes a lot to feed this old boy right here, amen. When those two weeks were up, I did not even have enough money to put gas in the car to get back to North Carolina. You talk about at a place where I absolutely, faith was shot. I know no one here has ever done this, but I began to question God. I began to say, God, how am I going to take care of my wife? How am I going to take care of paying the rent on the apartment? How am I going to take care of insurance on car? And I made my mind up. I didn't care what my wife said. When I got back home in North Carolina, I was going to go get me a truck driving job because at least I could put food on the table and take care of the little bills that we had. I got back home late on a Friday night and to be completely honest with you was just a little bit discouraged. But I was to preach somewhere on Sunday about two hours away and my wife and I she went with me that day and I preached two hours away on that Sunday and I've only been late to church two times in evangelism. It was both times it was the GPS's fault. It didn't sure wasn't my fault, amen. And there that day I got to church there that late. I got to church late there that day and as I walked inside that church I began to Uh, the preacher was up teaching Sunday school and I began to count the number of heads that were inside that church building. There was a grand total of 14 people inside that church building. And Brother Shook, as I seen those 14 people in there, I began to question God in my mind. Here I was, I just preached to churches that had well over 300 in the auditoriums in in Pennsylvania and now here I am with just 14 people. God, if they're not going to be able to take care of my needs, how are you going to be able to take care of my needs? See, I was looking at it all wrong. I was expecting the people in the pew to take care of my needs instead of the God of heaven to take care of my needs. There that day, I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and I, pre- I tried to give it all I have The whole time, I was a little bit discouraged. The preacher gave me an envelope with what he said the love offering was, and I just tucked it in my Bible. My wife and I got down the road, about halfway down the road back to North Car- Jacksonville, North Carolina. I saw that envelope sticking out of that Bible there. And I took that envelope out and I began to open up that envelope and when I looked in that envelope tears began to stream down my face because that little church was just 14 people just gave my wife and I three times the amount of the entire churches combined in the state of Pennsylvania. And can I say God said in my heart and God said in my soul there that night very clearly that the same God that saved me and the same God that called me was the same God that was going to take care of my needs along this journey called life. Can I say young person, I don't know what it is that you need in your life but just step out by faith because God is a God of answered prayer amen there's a walk of faith but I also see there's a worship of faith the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 2 moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful God expects his children to be faithful full of faith someone he can count on That's not gonna quit when things get tough and difficult. Paul said about young Timothy, he said, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Timothy had real faith. Timothy wasn't on one Sunday and off the next, he didn't just serve God when it was convenient. Timothy had the right kind of worship. He was the type of young man that was at the house of God every time the doors were open. Timothy made it a daily habit to spend time in the Bible, in prayer, and around those who would draw him closer to God than away from God. People could look at young Timothy and know that he had a worship for Christ and was full of faith. Can I say, young person, how many of us still want to please God? The Bible very clearly tells us we're going to have to purge the flesh, and it's impossible to please God without having faith in the Christian life. And lastly, and I finish very quickly. Colossians 1.10 again. The Bible says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If we're going to be pleasing to God, we're going to have to find out what it is, according to the Bible, to purge the flesh, to practice faith. If we're going to be pleasing to God, we're going to to find out what it is to produce fruit. Those of us that are saved, the whole purpose that Christ left us on this earth was to tell others about him. And he's the only way to heaven. He told us to occupy till I come not to fill up bank accounts not to drive fancy cars or have a fancy house not to strive to be as smart as we can be and the list goes on and on and those things in themselves are not bad things but we must remember and understand they are just things and we as Christians are to be producing fruit the Bible says in Hebrews or John chapter 15 verse number 8 Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. And I believe with all my heart this morning there are people in your life that you will meet along this journey of life that will give you a listening ear to the gospel when they may not give me a listening ear to the gospel. You say, Well, Brother Dallas, I don't know the Bible as well as my youth director, I don't know the scripture as well as my pastor. I love reading about the Apostle Paul, that great missionary, that church planner, the one that wrote most of the New Testament. Most times he was just telling folks what happened to him on the Damascus Road. I'm reminded of a story of Dr. Howes. Brother Howes had gotten word that a preacher that was very influential to him back in Texas had come down with Alzheimer's and he was losing his mind. Brother Howells made the arrangements to fly from Indiana back to Texas to visit that former pastor, to let him know how much he loved and appreciated him, and thanked him for the investment that he made in his life as a young preacher. Brother Howells made the arrangements; he flew to Texas and got to the church of that day, and the pastor and his son was sitting in the office. And Brother Howells put his arms around the preacher's neck and let him know he loved him and thanked him for his kindness towards him as a young preacher. And Brother Howells began to reminisce about the past and. The things that that preacher had helped him with, and he just looked at Brother Hiles dumbfounded, couldn't remember anything that Brother Hiles was talking about. Brother Hiles began to say, You remember this, and you remember that, and you remember when all this took place, he couldn't remember anything. Finally, the preacher got up and said, Brother Hiles, would you please excuse me? I need to run to the restroom. He began to go to the restroom there and Brother Howes began to, uh, began to, he was gone for a little while, and Brother Howes was on a tight schedule, and he knew, to, he knew he had to get back to the airport to fly back home. And he began to go try to find that pastor, let him know, just to thank him and tell him goodbye. Brother Howes began to trail that pastor down the hallway, and that pastor was opening up a door. He opened up a door to the fellowship hall, and he said, No, that's not the restroom. He opened up a door to a, uh, to a Sunday school class, he said, No, that's not the restroom been pastor of that church for all those years and couldn't even find himself to the restroom. He was completely losing his mind with the disease of Alzheimer's. Tears began to stream down Brother Howell's face and the pastor's son told Brother Howell's Brother Howell's come back in the office Dad will be back here in a little while and a little while passed and the dad was never did, never did come back to the office. Brother Howell's knew that he had to leave the church now and he was going to go tell that pastor goodbye and he loved him. Brother Howells began to go and try to find the pastor. He, he, he opened up the fellowship hall. He opened up the Sunday school class. He even opened up the, the door to the bathroom, looked under the stalls. The pastor wasn't in there. And finally, Brother Howes went to the very front of the church. He had, that church had glass doors like this church has glass doors. And he saw that pastor outside talking to a young teenage boy. Brother Howells just kind of snuck over not knowing what in, what in the world he was saying to this young boy. And he just opened up the door very quietly and began to listen to that preacher. And that preacher said, no, son, all you have to do is just put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ is Savior right here, right now. The story goes with that young teenage boy bowed his head and called on God to save his soul. That young boy walked off and Brother Howells, with tears streaming down his face, looked at that pastor He said, preacher! He said, pastor, he said, how in the world just a few minutes ago I was following you, and you couldn't even find your way to the restroom, but you were just able to leave that young boy to the Lord. He said, Brother Howes, he said, I may not be able to find my way to the restroom, but I'll never forget my way to heaven. And can I say, young person, if you're saved by the grace of God, you know what Jesus has done for you, so go tell somebody else about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.